0: November 1976. Don't come as much as you can. I, I couldn't get away. I couldn't leave away.
1: From Victoria is Michelle Smith, a one-time victim of abuse by a satanic
2: cult, and Dr. Lawrence Pastor, the psychiatrist who helped her come to terms with that nightmare. The book is called Michelle Remembers. Michelle Remembers. We wrote it together. together. The first publicized account of such rituals.
1: They would put me in cages, sacrifice animals, eating feces and orgies, and dismembering fetuses. These were things that you experienced. That's right.
2: Who are these people? Well, they're a secret organization, they're a secret society. When that book came out, I mean, all
1: hell broke loose. It was a theory that there's a satanic conspiracy and there are children who are
0: kidnapped, stolen, and sacrificed. It's known as the satanic panic from the 1980s and 90s. I consulted on hundreds of these cases all over the Western world. It's moving radio. I'm your correspondent, Lucas Sanders, on CGSR 88.5. Joining us are the directors of Satan Wants You, Steve Adams and Sean Horler. They've directed and produced over 20 projects together. Satan Wants You made its international debut at South by Southwest, and you can catch their film at the Calgary Underground Film Festival, where it makes its Alberta debut, April 28th in the evening at 6.30 down at the Globe Cinema. Welcome to the show, Sean and Steve.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah,
0: thanks. Yeah, it's great to have you both. It's nice to really get a sense of what a film is about from the creator's perspective. So could you tell us what Satan Wants You is about?
1: Satan Wants You, it's the origin story of the satanic panic. And if people don't know what the satanic panic was and still is in, in many respects, it's this a global hysteria that happened over satanic cults abducting and murdering children and drinking their blood in the 1980s and 90s. And it happened in Canada, it happened in the US, it happened in countries all around the world.
0: I found it really interesting the origins of the satanic panic actually started here in Canada. What is it that set you off on that journey to explore this story?
1: I mean, a huge thing in, in, our, in our film, what we're looking at is this book called Michelle Remembers. So it was by two authors from Victoria in British Columbia, a woman named Michelle Smith and a doctor, a psychiatrist named Dr. Lawrence Larry Pazder. Michelle was his patient in the 70s. They saw each other for a number of years and basically through recovered memory. So they'd have these therapy sessions where Michelle started to remember all this horrific abuse that she suffered at the hands of a satanic cult, while a young child in Victoria. They recorded all these sessions. That was their book that was published in 1980. And you're from... And I'm from Victoria. (laughs) Sorry. I buried the lead.
2: I buried the lead.
1: (laughs) I grew up in Victoria shortly after the book was published. So this, I mean, for me, it was everywhere. They were everywhere. They're on the radio, on TV, on the news. And it's sort of like we knew... Like I knew and my family knew that they were connected to this the satanic panic that happened everywhere. But until Steve and I started doing this movie, I had no
2: idea that this story had touched millions and millions of people around the world. And And like a, a lot of people, it kind of just like faded into the background. You know, it happened for a decade and then nothing really came from it. Um, And it just kind of disappeared. And we were doing a series on books and authors in BC. And through our research, we got a list of like 100 books. And in the middle of the list was Michelle Remembers and Sean saw that book. And he was like, oh God, this book. (laughs) (laughs) And then that's kind of when we began to look into it. And we were like, nobody's done a movie on this and it's so fascinating. So that's kind of where we like took off with it.
0: Really interesting. So is it pretty widely known in Victoria though? Like, do you have conversations with friends? like you said, oh, here we go again, the book, like, are those conversations pretty prevalent throughout Victoria?
1: (laughs) Yeah, for a certain generation, definitely. And and then even now, there's like a ton of Gen Z folks who are discovering this. And I mean, the book itself has never gone, I know it was published in 1980. It was this huge bestseller in Canada, in the US and in Europe. And it like it hasn't gone away. There's like I set up a Google alert for Michelle Remembers when we started working on this. And it's like there's like three to four hits a week. People blog about it. There's podcasts. There's hundreds and hundreds of articles written about it. And it all claims
2: that this book was the thing that started the satanic panic.
0: Yeah, the Catholic Church really fed into that misinformation around the satanic panic and really devastated a lot of people's lives. Why do you think it was so important for them to feed into this narrative? Do you, do you have any idea on that?
2: I think it just, it made sense to them. Uh, It was this satanic force that was in the world. I think in the 80s, religion was still like really prevalent in society, not as much as it is now. And a lot of people were attending church and it was something that they could really attach themselves to. And if you come and see the film, I mean, you will see it's not like
1: Michelle and Larry, the authors of Michelle remembers took this book to the church. The church were involved from the very beginning. They were involved in the writing part of the film. They take the book straight to the Pope. In Rome, the Catholic Church was really involved. Yeah, and the Pope's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I believe
2: this. Yep.
0: <laughs> Honestly, the things that you open up in this story really are quite intriguing, right? The fact that the Catholic Church was involved from the start, it, it's just wild how that power goes deeper. It's how they fed into that. What challenges presented itself when telling a story around an individual like Michelle Smith, who really chose not to participate in the documentary?
1: challenges is that, you know, we were hoping personally, Steve and I, that she would participate in the film to actually tell her side of the story. She hasn't spoken about this, I think, from what we found. 1990 was the last media interview. There, yeah. 1990, 1992. And we were really hoping that she would participate and say, you know, this is what happened. And I'm here to to speak my truth, which, you know, maybe there'll be a future Opportunity for her to do that. Yeah. Another challenge for us, though, was the sheer number of cases that came out of that book. So the book was published, and then basically between the church, law enforcement, and mental health professionals, everyone started investigating this all over the world all at the same time. We explore that in the film, but there's only so much we can do in 90 minutes. And I mean, for your listeners in Alberta, there was a case in Lethbridge in nineteen, I think, eighty nine, eighty-nine, ninety, where a school board trustee or somebody with a school board accused a hundred kids in Lethbridge of being satanic worshippers killing kids. You think, oh no, this is just an American thing, or oh no, it's just that couple from Victoria, but it was everywhere. Saskatchewan had a mammoth, like huge, huge, huge case that went on for years and years and years in Martinsville. And there's cases in Ontario. And then somebody said, I think 12,000 cases in the US is what Fox reported. It's just crazy how far this went.
0: Yeah, it's so widespread. And I did a little bit of investigating. I was like, I wonder if the Catholic churches went about trying to repair any of this. And I don't really see any evidence of that. Just found that quite interesting, like how widespread it was. With the recordings of Michelle's therapy sessions, were those hard to get a hold of, or did you? Really find hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah. In the book, so there was like a group of 14 transcribers who actually took the reel-to-reels and transcribed everything, put them onto cassettes. And they had listed all those people in the book, and anybody else that might have had access to the tapes was pretty much in, like, the acknowledgement section So we had to go through and contact everybody and see if anybody had that tape or like had any like memory of it. And weirdly enough, towards the end of editing, we had a package mailed to us and it was one of the tapes and we still don't know who it came from. And it was like one of those things that we were just like, oh my God, like this is crazy.
0: Well, I am certain, you know, like for you, it really added a lot to your production and building that world and understanding of it. Yeah, totally.
2: I mean, in the book, it was really interesting because when we first listened to the tape, like, I mean, we all gathered around we were like, oh my God, what's going to be on this? And we listened to it and we could actually hear passages that are in the book, like word for word. And we were like, oh, wow. Like we didn't realize what was in the book was like exactly on the tape. And it was just one of those realizations that we were bringing it to life in a, in a much different visceral form and it's crazy that we got these tapes and it's crazy to hear them
0: you're listening to cgsr 88.5 moving radio i'm joined by directors steve adams and sean horler and we're talking about satan wants you which debuts on april 28th out at the calgary underground film festival in terms of the recordings kind of picking up on that i think you do a really good job of weaving some of that imagery in there between some of the storytelling Did you have fun creating that? There's sort of references in terms of media, but I picked up this Evil Dead vibe from the recordings. Was that inspired, I guess, by anything in terms of creating some of the imagery?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean we we knew from uh, like the book that like they were like heavily influenced by like religious horror at the time there's like references to the exorcist within the book rosemary's baby all those
1: yeah. classic 70s 60s and 70s films
2: yeah so and like knowing that the book's completely made up we we knew that like we had a little bit of artistic license to to kind of use what the influence was that they were using And then when you hear the tapes like they are like they're horrifying like they they really are like a a horror like they, they have that genre built into them and so like we just thought like what if we tried to like combine those two things and combine those elements and really like try to bring to life what they were actually thinking of and using as reference when they were writing the book. And for us too,
1: I mean, how often we were trying to like rack our brains when we were still shooting or I'm like, is there horror documentaries? Are there any other films that are sort of like this horror film with documentary storytelling? And we couldn't like, I mean, we couldn't really find any and we're like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to bring these tapes to life and make it feel like a seventies B movie that would have inspired Michelle to actually think about all these things. And then the true horror film part is, you know, real people and how stories get out of control. Like there's actual like real life horror to the documentary, too. So it was really fun to have those two push and pull. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: There is a lot of people's lives who are essentially devastated by this whole situation from a human element. I think it's hard to witness. Did you find that challenging when you were talking to some of the people who experienced that?
1: Yeah. I mean, for us too. like going into this knowing you start with the book, of course, and then you sort of work your way forward through the documentary. That's the starting place for us. And then reaching out to the family members of Michelle and Larry, the authors, and realizing and talking to them that they had never really told their story publicly ever. So this is the first time people are going to hear the other side of the story from family members of what happened. And for us, that was really hard
2: Mm -hmm. to- It's never left them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Larry's first wife, ex-wife, Marilyn, it's like when we called her, it was like 40 years had never even passed by. She was instantly like talked for like an hour and a half yeah. saying this is what happened. This is it was so surprising and we're so so lucky that they said yes to the film.
2: And then growing out from that, you see like the other people who actually were like prosecuted. A case that we cover is Kelly Michaels in the States. And she was accused of like just like the, the wildest stuff and completely made up and was in prison for five years. And once you have that, you're like tart and feathered. You don't leave that. And it stays with you for the rest of your life. And it was just like there was so many incidents like that that just like made us really, really sad for these people.
0: For sure. It's so interesting that you keyed in on Marilyn because I sort of felt like her story was very interesting and she added a lot to your doc, I thought. What are your overall impressions of her? Marilyn's
2: amazing. Yeah. Marilyn kept the receipts too. She was like, she has binders full of stuff. And it was just like, when we went and finally met her in Victoria, she was like, here you go. She brought us this big box and like binders just like of everything, like anything that was related to anything that happened, she had kept. Anytime she would see something about like repressed memory or like anything related to this on TV, she would instantly throw on a tape and record it. And she had like 40 cassette tapes for us of like VCRs. 88 hours (laughs) of VHS footage. There you go. We didn't know that people had gone to prison because of the book. And that was, I think, about 1990 that I realized it was just a terrible shock. It was just terrible. But I felt that if people were in jail, it's our responsibility to do everything that we can to help those people. She really wanted to make sure that like people understood what had happened and that this was all made up. And she was really mindful of that.
0: It certainly would have been hard for her to see her relationship unravel. I found it interesting that she took it very well in terms of like, How much it affected her family. What is one of the bigger challenges you faced in putting the production together? There's so many.
2: I think the challenge, this is more from like a production standpoint, we started filming in November, we started editing in March, we were still filming while we were editing. So it was like this ongoing process. And we were it was basically a marathon for us. And we were just like running, we were adding new interviews that were really important to the story. Like when we were like four months into editing, it was like a really challenging time for us. We almost died. (laughs) But we made it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think another
1: challenge too, just from a storytelling perspective, when we started making this film, I mean, it was in the middle of QAnon and Pizzagate. So the contemporary satanic cult conspiracies that were just starting up. And that was another, oh, my God, here we go again moment and saying, oh, yeah, this is a great excuse for us to actually go back into the past and show why this happened in the first place. And we had originally designed the film to sort of be like a bookend with QAnon and Pizzagate at the beginning and end. And then we had gone into the film thinking, oh, yes, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go to that pizzeria in Washington, D.C. We're going to do this. We're going to connect everything for everyone. And then we started digging deeper into the Michelle Remembers story. And then that just took over. Yeah. Sometimes you got to change your plans with a documentary.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You combed through a lot of footage, I'm sure, and talked to a lot of people. Are there any stories for you or individuals that you might want to revisit in the future to maybe build on this story
2: i mean when we were in south by one of like the more prevalent feedback we got was people wanted more they were like we want like a, a three-hour doc series on this and i agree like there, there's so much that we cover in the film and we could have like gotten so much deeper on topics it, it would have been a fun thing to do and south by was fun too we actually had american production companies and
1: agents approach us wanting to do something bigger. So, I mean, this is the... It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning, as <laughs> people like to say.
0: It's really interesting. You brought up Pizzagate, and you talk about different individuals who really studied that phenomena of the sat- satanic panic, and they didn't really have a hopeful perspective about the future about this hysteria coming back or, or being revisited. Why do you think when this age of so much information that we have access to, that people still fall prey to misinformation?
2: I think it's like, just it's ingrained in humans as a species. We're like a storytelling species. We, we need these to try to explain our existence and what our lives are. And when something terrible happens and you can't really like, point your finger towards something the easiest scapegoat is satan
0: it's so interesting when you take a deeper dive into like people who follow the church of satan they're really normal people who are simply trying to be their authentic selves so it's really interesting how the catholic church worked really hard to change that image
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, it was really interesting. There's a former high priestess of the Church of Satan who appears in our documentary, Blanche Barton. And I think one of my favorite moments of filming is when she really dove down into what is real Satanism. And it's a celebration of people's differences. It's not a tolerance of people's differences. It's a celebration of how different we are from one another. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like a very interesting comparison to the Catholic Church to, to show like this is... How different those two organizations are in terms of a religion.
2: And what did she say? She was like, she was talking about like the Church of Satan and how they were like the the best thing for the church,
1: the Catholic Church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because they just drove people back into the pews. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it is such a wild story. And I, I think you you do a fantastic job of capturing the hysteria and the buildup. And for yourself, was there anything that really sticks out as a great moment in putting this? Together.
1: I think for me, going through this whole process, we knew that there were like four investigative teams in the 80s and 90s from Canada, the US, and the UK who had all looked into this story. And for me, I think it was just really rewarding to connect their work with the family members with all these cases and to finally hear those tapes and connect this all together because it's never been done before in the way that we've done it in this film and there's no other films about the origins of the Satanic Panic.
2: Yeah, and I think for me, it was just the the reception that we got at mm-hmm. South By, how many people just gravitated towards the film and really... I think that there's like a a whole group of people, like millennials and younger, who had no idea that the Satanic Panic happened. And having that kind of come back was one of the big things for me.
1: Sold out screenings at South by Southwest. Yeah. That was insane for us. We never even thought that would happen. Yeah. So get your tickets if you're in Calgary. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's going to sell out.
0: (laughs) For audiences who are wanting to go see it, what do you want them to take away from it?
1: I mean, for us, from all the test audience feedback that we got and watching this with audiences in South by Southwest and doing Q&As after, it is, we left it for your, for you, the viewer, to decide, because this is really a film about Michelle Smith and Dr. Larry Pazder, and it is very polarizing. It's interesting to see the feedback that we get, because it's, you know, it's up to you to decide what role that they played in the Satanic Panic
0: oh wow yeah it's really wild so there's a mixed reaction in terms of like how people see the story
1: yeah I mean, it's, I think another human nature thing is to blame people. So it's been very interesting to see how people respond and if we succeeded in actually trying to be yeah. objective and
2: neutral. What part will you blame it on? That's what, yeah. <laughs> That's what you Next take us, away. Let us, let us
1: know.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thanks for joining us. It's Steve Adams and Sean Horler. They're the directors of the documentary, Satan Wants You which will make its Alberta debut at the Calgary Underground Film Festival on Friday evening, April 28th at 6.30 down at the Globe Cinema. You're listening to Moving Radio on CJSR 88.5. I'm your correspondent, Lucas Andrews. There are thousands of men and women who are secretly worshipping the devil. Are you accusing me of being a Satanist? I know you murdered babies, and I know you
2: made me murder babies. More
0: than 300 counts of sodomy, rape, and oral copulation. So many
2: different kinds of people believe that this was happening. It was dead serious. There were people who went to jail.
0: It's very hard to believe. There are too many people telling too many stories for this not to be true. And all of this was started by this book.